This week's Game of Thrones feedback show is sponsored by our friends over at True Car. Every car comes with its share of stories like that ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, that luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you save by riding your bike all summer long. While you can't put a price tag on your stories now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell it or trade it in. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and Moonroof watches. They're going to bump up your car's value high mileage you already knew it was going to cost you but now you know how much it's going to ding your wallet so you can plan ahead and once you're finished you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or to trade in so when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car check out true car today true cash offer not available in all areas Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode Number 2 is over, but we're just getting started opening up your feedback from this week's show here on the Game of Thrones post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who are comfortably podcasting from the crypts below Winterfell. I am Rob Sister here with Josh Wiggler. I hear it's safe in the crypts. <laughs> With my bowl of soup and bread. Such good acoustics down here (laughs) in the crypts. Crypts, crypts, crypts. But crappy Wi-Fi signal. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I think the signal is going to be pretty strong for the Night King. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I'm sure we'll get into the crypts of it all in due due time here on this podcast. Uh, But in the meantime, I have to say I'm a little disappointed that you didn't uh, start this podcast by officially knighting me as a podcaster of the seven microphones. (laughs) That's right. Well, any podcaster can uh, knight another podcaster. That goes without saying. Uh, by the time uh, this series is done, I'm expecting some nightings around here. Yes. Call me a uh, podcast, sir. Yeah. Podcast, sir. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, my God. It's from podcast, sure, I believe, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yes. Josh, a uh, little known uh, rule there that any night could night another night. I had no idea, but I'm I'm glad that it's you know if it's not real, then at least it was a very convincing yeah. job. Well, by, do you think by that Jamie, Jamie was uh, just messing with her? not not like that he's messing with her, but like they're all gonna die? She's never gonna know. Do you think that Jamie actually did have the authority to do that? I wonder. I mean, they they were all like at least like a little bit sloshed, right? So like maybe just like half drunk Jamie Landis just like, you know what? Screw that. That's right. It's really it's it's such a it's such BS that that Brienne came. I'm going to knight her. I'm going to knight her right now. You know, just like maybe it was something like that. Maybe he was just like half out of his mind and felt like it now's the time. Let's just do it like a bold move. He seemed a little dazed in the moment anyway. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I would have to go back and I would have to look through the book and see if a knight can knight another knight. Uh, but it was a great night, a great night of Game of Thrones uh, with the Brienne of it all and so many fantastic things. Loved this episode. Okay, big good. fan. Big, so- big fan. Excited to get into everything as uh, we, you know, look backwards towards Sunday night, but we can't help but look ahead to uh, the uh, big sure. battle that we are expecting in the forecast on uh, what should be a very cold and blustery winter night at Winterfell on Sunday. Yeah, a lot. Of, no surprise that most of our feedback, I would say, is forward looking. I think there's, you know, th- this was a great episode, another very talky episode of Game of Thrones. There's some things that happened this week that people are going to be writing in about. Uh, maybe surprisingly, people aren't writing in about some of the big standout moments of the episode as much as they are looking ahead. Like, not a lot about Brienne, not a ton about Arya and Gendry. But I think that Thankfully. a lot of that, you know, I think a lot of that speaks for itself. I think, you know, this was an episode written by Brian Cockman, who is one of the longtime uh, producers and writers on Game of Thrones, who I believe is, is often talked about as sort of like the walking, talking Wikipedia, uh, the wiki of ice and fire on set, uh, a real true fan of the material and somebody who loves these characters deeply. And I think no surprise that coming from the mind of that particular writer, that this was a, a real love letter to the characters this episode uh, and should come as no surprise that we have an episode with this kind of energy, considering where we seem to be 
be going episode three. It's the longest episode of the season in terms of running time. It's going to be 82 minutes long. It comes from Miguel Sapochnik, who is the director of Hard Home and Battle of the Bastards. So it's safe to assume that next week there I don't I don't think that there's going to be any rugs being pulled out from under us in terms of the content and the structure of the episode. I do believe we are getting that wall to wall battle sequence, not at the wall, but at Winterfell. Uh, so for this one to be a lot more of a character rich, intimate, quiet affair makes a lot of sense to me and makes just as much sense that most people are now wondering what's coming next. Where are we going after all of this? OK, so it's official to say that the table is set. We are ready to eat. And uh, so might be many of uh, the uh, whites as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they're maybe they're going to be feasting on whatever uh, this what was cooking at the soup station that Davos was <laughs> maybe was for, fermented crab. Right. Maybe. Everybody's just, uh, you know, going into this battle rock hard. Yeah. They don't like boring snacks either. The whites. <laughs> no, they no, don't. They do not. <laughs> That's right. True. That's right. OK, <laughs> so, Josh, we have been inundated with feedback, questions, uh, voicemails, tweets talking about this. Of course, that uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention all of your outstanding coverage that you have filed so far to date on uh, the Hollywood Reporter, uh, THR.com slash Game of Thrones. Uh, anything in particular you want to highlight, Josh? What have what have what have I done is just a question I ask myself often. Uh, but what have what have I written about? Uh, recap that's up on thr.com slash Game of Thrones. Wrote about the Arya stuff. Wrote about the Brienne scene, which I really loved. Uh, I've been doing a lot of the forward looking stuff as well. I've written my predictions of who I think will die in this upcoming episode. I've written out all of thirteen the, the, people that you say that you I've are putting a chip people. on that you think will not make it out of this episode. Do you have the list handy? I do have it handy. Yeah, you can just name them off. Right. Them off. Here you go. Uh, Josh Wiggler is projecting the following characters uh, do not make it to Monday. Uh, they are in uh, Josh's particular order. Grey Worm, Miss Sunday, Jorah Mormont, uh, the little girl Tila who went into the crypts, uh, Gilly and yeah. baby Sam. Uh, I think that uh, I know you like to stay on the odd numbers, but uh, that, that feels like uh, not fair to baby Sam that he had to share with Gilly. Well, that should be 14. Maybe, maybe you're selling yourself just, short. Uh, just felt better. Thirteen felt better. <laughs> Varys, you say, will not make it out. Uh, uh, Dolores, Ed. Dolores. <laughs> Ghost. You know, uh, like I, I would add Ghost as a supplemental. I you, thought, think, I you, thought, you think Ghost should be somebody's plus one, yeah. like a bonus. Well, I got a lot of heat on Sunday night. I thought that Ghost was already dead. Yeah, Ghost is one of the only ones still kicking around. We'll talk yeah. about Ghost. We'll okay. talk about Ghost later. Uh, Podrick Payne, Sir Brienne of Tarth, Beric Dondarrion, Theon Greyjoy, and Bran Stark. Yeah, but the brand the brand comes with a bit of an asterisk for for me as well. I, I think that we're going to get like some some Obi-Wan Kenobi hijinks going on with Bran. Like I think I think our our time with uh, with creepy stares directly into your soul, Isaac Hempstead, right? Brand may be coming to an end, but I feel like Brand warging either into the weirwood trees or warging into a dragon and coursing through the the veins of Westeros that way. I feel like I feel like Brand will continue, but his physical form is about to to take a take a hike. Okay. Josh, where do you want to kick off the feedback show this week? Well, I mean, I think that that's kind of the the topic du jour, uh, you know, the, alongside the soup du jour that Davos is serving is uh, a lot of people who, who loved this episode, but a lot of questions about where we're going next. And this is from Sir Brendan of House Fitzy, mm -hmm. who is very, very helpful in rallying the realm and getting this feedback show together. Brendan wrote in and said that I loved everything the show did to reinvest us with every character and their relationships to the story. And I think we're going to lose a lot of people next week. There's only six characters I would guarantee are 100% off the board as safe and going to live. And that is Danny, John, Sansa, Jamie, the Hound, and Arya. And that's 
it. Not even Tyrion, I would guarantee, to make it out. Uh, a similar sentiment is expressed by Zach Not Brooks. Zach writes it and says, overall, I really enjoyed episode two. It captures the buildup of fear and uncertainty that occurs when entering any extraordinary situation, let alone an all-out war versus the dead. And I felt like the show provided some sort of closure for many of the main characters. Theon, Brienne, Arya, Jamie, etc. I took it as the writers implying that everyone is now expendable. From the hints that were provided in this episode, who do you think gets got in episode three? So we've listed out, Rob, who I think may go this week, and I'm sure that I will be wrong on many, if not most, or mm-hmm. perhaps even all of those picks. Uh, who are you looking at as unsafe heading into episode three? Who are the people that are pinging the most on your radar? So I think that you did a really good job of capturing the people, the candidates uh, that are marked for eviction, but I think I'd be very surprised if we uh, lost that number of characters. I mean, we still have three episodes left of the show, albeit uh, three extended length episodes of the show. So if we tied up that much on Sunday night, I think that might be a little bit of a overpromise. Yeah, one thing that I am thinking about, and this was another, it was another article I wrote recently was there, there is such a fatalistic quality about episode three. And I think episode two does a lot of work to get us there. I think a night of the seven kingdoms really makes us feel like we're being allowed some moments of happiness because this will be it in terms of happiness for the foreseeable future. Uh, and I think that's probably the likelier scenario. But I also started thinking about, You know, Game of Thrones has made a name for itself on killing off fan favorite characters and killing big characters and doing it in heartbreaking ways and at unexpected times. But I think even even more than that, what Game of Thrones became um, or or why Game of Thrones became the sensation it it became was because it would it would to to borrow from Big Brother. I I believe this is a Big Brotherism is expect the unexpected. Right. Like that. That is a thing. Uh, And and I think that that is more the deal for me about when Game of Thrones is great. It's because they are offering something up that makes a lot of sense on reflection, but maybe isn't your first instinct. And I've been saying for uh, honestly, like a year and a half or so now for for a good little while for a couple of seasons you know from the from the jump of season seven i would i would say that i feel like the end game of game of thrones to some degree there is an element of predictability about it like certain characters who feel like they're going to go certain outcomes that that feel like they're going to transpire and who the hell am i to be saying that game of thrones is going to end predictably and i think coming into this huge battle episode i think we should expect we're going to lose people there's just no Mm -hmm. way we're not going to lose some people but maybe we're not going to lose a crazy amount of people maybe we're not going to lose a lot of people maybe we're just going to lose a few key people and i was thinking back to season seven and i was thinking back to beyond the wall an episode that is not favor uh you know looked upon favor favorably by a lot of people uh and and we we went we went into that episode thinking that a lot of people were going to get killed off and really it's just thoros of mirrors the only guy who who we lose a bunch of red shirts and then the big whammy of viserion and that's not even somebody that's on the radar to lose in an episode like that that's the whammy so what's the whammy heading into episode three this week what would be the big unexpected turn and i wonder if the big unexpected turn is maybe we win maybe maybe Mm -hmm. maybe the white walkers get killed maybe the night king gets killed maybe we finish the white walker threat here in episode three and the back half of the season is dealing with a whole bunch of other stuff i don't think it's impossible i think it's not terribly likely but i think it's the kind of thing that we would not be expecting and because of that it makes me wonder if that is what we should expect like is that the unexpected that we should expect that's a uh, good theory. I, I, I maybe. I mean, I, I uh, don't know what it looks like for the show if they lose Winterfell. Also, so um, they you also, know, I, you know, HBO's been releasing these, you know, twenty or so minute documentaries uh, on YouTube every Monday uh, after the episode. You should be seeking those out if you aren't. They're they're really entertaining, uh, very funny at times, really informative. Not just about story, frankly, less about story than it than it is 
is uh, informative about the production and the scale of the production. And they spent a lot of time in the one for this episode going into like the granular details of what it took to bring the new sprawling set for Winterfell to life. And it makes a lot of sense why they needed to like grow and expand Winterfell because episode three is obviously going to have to utilize a lot of different space. There's so much character work that's going to be going on with this big sprawling action scene. Um, But are they going to invest all that money just to destroy Winterfell in episode three? Are we just going to lose Winterfell in episode three? So I'm wondering about it from that kind of meta perspective as well. Um, I don't know. I I don't know where I land on it. I think like gun to my head, I would say that we're going to lose uh, just because the the odds are so firmly against us and there's still so much time left on the clock. Uh, But I just I just wonder and I wonder if it's worth wondering about what if we win? What if Tyrion is right? I think we might live. What if we do? Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually easier for me to envision the second half of the season uh, if they do win than opposed to view the second half of the season if they lose the Battle of Winterfell for is this called the Battle of Winterfell? What are we calling this? There's no episode title yet, uh, which is, you know, that's a nice lead into this next question we'd gotten from Barry, who says, I think it's pretty clear that at some point next week, the Battle of Winterfell will be lost with that, do you think that one of the reasons the episode title has not been revealed yet is because next week's title is The Fall of Winterfell? Uh, or maybe the, the first fall uh, is coming. The first the first episode of the season was called Winterfell. Uh, what if the third episode was called? See, we told you Winterfell. Mm. Or if it's like yeah. Winterfell with like fell underlined and bolded and italicized. What about Winterfell fell? Winter fell fell. I like that. Mm-hmm. I still miss the Ocho. Uh, the episode titles are not being revealed until after the episodes have aired. That is just a, a rule that clearly is in place for this season. So there's no special reason that episode three hasn't had its title revealed any more than why we didn't get them in the, the previous two episodes. So nothing specific about episode three insofar as, uh, you know, it, there, there's just that same sort of specific energy and guidance and, uh, you know, that, that same kind of rule that is sweeping this final season that they're really playing things pretty close to the vest here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what next week's episode will be called, but I do think the fall of Winterfell would require, you know, really a, a massive calling of the cast, which is why if we're going to lose people, I think we're going to lose a lot. Um, but if, if not, then like, I don't know. Cause we, we have to get people to new places from there. And so what is that going to look like? We're going to see people like on the King's road. We're going to see people on the open sea. We're going to be spending a lot of time in King's landing. And then suddenly will people show up there? So I kind of do agree that I, I almost feel like the, the rest of the season makes more sense. If maybe we win the battle of Winterfell of a large swath of white walkers and whites are destroyed and maybe the Night King is somehow able to escape and that remains a threat for the for the back half of the season. Yeah, uh, I have seen a lot of traction for that idea that perhaps the uh, Night King uh, may not be with uh, the infantry. Yeah, that's a question that we got from Chris from New York, who wrote in and said, what do you think of the possibility that the Night King won't actually show up to Winterfell in the coming battle? It seems too simple that he would just show up for Bran and expose himself. Yikes. He could ride Viserion to King's Landing and destroy the Red Keep. This would fulfill Danny's visions in the House of the Undying, where she saw a snow filled throne room. Would love to hear your thoughts and apologies for bringing up Karth, uh, mm. which I we appreciate the apologies. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that Danny walking through the throne room and snow being on the ground was not like a hallucination. It's not just a vision. That's that's the future. Uh, we we have to see something cause that. And it could be the Night King going to King's Landing and blowing a hole through the Great Hall of the Red Keep and snow falling in that way. It could be some form of Mad Queen Daenerys going uh, nuclear on King's Landing and, and really coming for Cersei that way. And she's walking through a snowpocalypse of her own making. We know that it's winter in Westeros anyway, so no White Walkers required to cause the snowfall. Um, I don't know. I feel like 
three episodes without the Night King would be a lot at this point. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like we're going to get the You're Night King that. in this episode. I, I, I like it. And, I, you know, if that's the development that it takes, if that's the turn it takes, I think it'll it'll be fun. Um, but I, I I think I'm I'm just going to I'm going with the straightforward thing. And I, I think that the Night King is going to show up personally yeah i mean i think it would be a lot of egg on brand's face to, uh, not egg on targaryen but that it would you know brand's like oh no he he i know what he wants he wants me and so uh that i'll go over there and then he'll he'll come and find me because that's what he wants and then to find out that he not only does he not want brand but uh he's nowhere to be found uh, i do think that for our all-knowing three-eyed raven i think that that is uh, not a uh, great spot on his resume Feels like it would be good news for Theon Greyjoy. Yeah. The Night King's not there. You would think so. I feel like that's to me. That to me, though, is the big reason why I would have a hard time selling uh, a a big reason why I would have a hard time not seeing the Night King showing up in this episode. Because I I think that is is it a little on the nose right now that Theon Greyjoy is going to get killed? Yeah, obviously. Like, I I feel like, you know, putting uh, assigning Theon to the A mission to guard the three eyed Raven with the Night King on the way really feels like us just like taking like the the team giving us a week to get ready for Theon Greyjoy to be Mm. viciously, viciously killed. But I think it makes a lot of sense with this character. I think it makes a lot of sense for like the, the redemptive moment the the full circle moment for Theon to be you know this was the guy who tried to capture Winterfell was a super coward about all of that created a hell of his own making couldn't face down Euron Greyjoy who at the time seemed like the worst monster in the world he's now found his courage he's found his inner strength and we'll see him like go up against literally the the deadliest creature in all of Westeros with no fear in his heart uh, and get killed for it like that that feels like a, a fulfillment of the Theon arc uh, so that to me is why I feel like it would be a real misdirect to to not have the Night King come down. But I don't know. Maybe I'll expect the unexpected. I should listen to my own advice. What about a Sansa Theon romance? I did see a lot of chatter online about that. Uh, I you know it is fun to uh, in this like when these Game of Thrones episodes are on. There is like a a lot of like uh, sorting out the wheat from the chaff in terms yeah. of these internet theories. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see it, honestly. I, I think that, you know, Theon and Sansa are connected over the, the Ramsey stuff. Uh, they're obviously deeply bonded. They were both traumatized by the same individual. Uh, I think Theon probably will be very excited to hear about how Sansa fed Ramsey to dogs. I'm sure he's pumped about that. Mm-hmm. I think that he's gonna, he's going to enjoy that story quite a bit. Um, but I didn't see any any real romance between them. I, I saw kind of like a meeting of the minds between these two survivors whose experiences meant a lot to each other. Yeah, uh, I don't see anything beyond that. I mean, there's so many articles on uh, Twitter and, uh, you know, theories. Can I give you my uh, least favorite or most favorite if it's yeah. uh, the all time worst? Uh, do yes. you mind if I do you mind <laughs> if I mention what publication it's from? No, I don't it's, care. Yeah, okay. that's fine. Uh, this comes to us. Uh, this was uh, in one of my news aggregators today. Uh, this comes to us from Elite Daily, Elite, not ReenDaily.com, EliteDaily.com uh, asks the question, is Arya the waif on Game of Thrones? Oh, Fans no. are speculating after seeing season eight, episode two. Oh, God, that would be the worst. That would be the yes. worst. Is so Arya the waif wearing Arya's face? Ah, oh, so complicated. Arya 2. Arya 2 has uh, has returned mm. and uh, fallen yeah. desperately in love with Gendry. Is that what we're, yes. we're led to she believe? She has uh, these unexplained scars, and also uh, she did not seem to have any of the uh, scarring from the stab wounds suffered at the hands of the waif. Let me add this wrinkle. You ready? So, yeah. so Arya is the waif. Gendry is Arya and this is this is a big game of faces that the two of them are playing right Not now. Not the game of faces. <laughs> Apologies for bringing up the game of faces. Yes, wow. Okay. So 
Oh boy, there's a uh, Game of Thrones crackpot theory for everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I apologize for my role in creating them. I'm sure <laughs> I've, I've made uh, my fair share. This is a question we got from Kaylin, who wanted to, uh, you know, while we're talking about Arya, not the waif. Uh, Kaylin wrote in and said, do you think that Arya's weapon that she had made is a dragon glass version of the same spear that the Night King killed the dragon with? I know Arya wasn't there beyond the wall, but it looks very similar to his spear. Maybe she will use it to kill his ice dragon. Uh, why is there so much focus on Arya's weapon? Like, what is that going to do? That's clearly going to play some fairly major role in everything that's coming up next. Is Arya just going to be out on the front lines and we need to see her outfitted with a weapon that she can take out some of the uh, whites? Yeah. Maybe it's just because we're going to have just a copious amounts of awesome, highly gifable yeah. Arya Stark killing I, monsters. I also think that we needed a, a reason for Arya and Gendry to have a bunch of scenes together. So here are the blueprints for this thing I want you to make. What's it for? OK, right. I'll tell you later. I'll deliver it to you. So it, it might just be sort of like uh, the MacGuffin to have Arya and Gendry in the same place. What do we think is the ultimate goal of getting Arya and Gendry together in this way? Is it just because like here's a. a a moment of like humanity and like being a teenager and being a human being again for Arya, where she like actually gets to experience some measure of love for the first time in a long while. Or is it, is there going to be some greater purpose? Is this going to be, we know way, way, way back in the very beginning of the show, uh, Ned and Robert in the crypts and Robert saying, you've got a son or you've got a daughter. I've got a son. We'll join our houses. Is this the fulfillment of that prophecy or is that too happy of an ending? Is there, is there some sort of curveball that we're in for? No, I'd buy that. I'd buy the Gendry and Arya end up together at the end of this thing and sort of as the people who, uh, the Stark and Baratheon who do end up together. Uh, I'm more bullish on Arya coming out of this. And uh, now that she's uh, found Gendry, uh, I do think that there will be a happy ending for Arya and Gendry. Oh, man. Yeah, I hope you're right. I, I would love that. That would make me happy. I was very I was very happy for them. I thought that was great. I thought it was fantastic. It was certainly jarring because we've grown up with Arya. But other than that, mm-hmm. like it was it was very it was very nice to see these two people have a moment of happiness before the whole world's about to start ending. Uh, and and I still do think that somehow Arya is not going to make it out of this. So she's able to have some happiness before the show is all over. I'm, I'm happy about that. She didn't look like she had that much happiness. She seems like she's like, ah, it's fine. I like killing people more. Mm-hmm. She, yeah. I think she prefers killing people. Uh, she prefers that kind of slaying. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about how about Arya and a different character as a non-romantic pair, but as a pair nonetheless? And why don't we bring in our first voicemail uh, and let us summon Jason in Alberta, who has a question about Arya Stark. Sir Josh, Sir Robert, it's Jason calling from Grand Prix, Alberta. I have a lukewarm take on the upcoming Game of Thrones episode. I think that uh, there's a good chance Arya and the Hound both survive. I think we're getting uh, set up here for, for them to team up again and head south to King's Landing. I know Clegane Bowl is a real slam dunk and something we should all be expecting and looking forward to. But, you know, Josh is, uh, sorry, uh, John's going to get his big bat on the icy battlefield. But I think... Arya still needs a really uh, high-profile assassination on her resume before the end of the series. And I can't think of anyone better than Cersei Lannister. So I think that's going to be a a super satisfying thing to happen if we go that direction. But uh, that's my prediction. Really hoping it follows through. Uh, Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. We'll okay. talk. To, we'll talk to you right now. How about that? How about that? I, I you know, whether or not Arya is going to be the one who gets to kill Cersei Lannister, and that, I think that's certainly still in the air. I think the fact that that's still in the air makes me feel like Arya is a really likely bet to survive this particular battle. But I would say the fact that we have had no trace of the King's Landing stuff. Uh, for a full episode now and we're very likely not going to get much if any king's landing until maybe like the very end of the episode Mm -hmm. uh here in episode three that i would say i'd say the hound is just about like the safest character this week 
uh, like I still like he could get hurt. He could get injured. He could be like momentarily killed and Beric Dondarrion back to life. But he will be alive by the end of the episode or at the very least will be alive again at some point down the line. But the mountain thing and not by the way of the Night King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the, the Clegane Bowl, there's no chance that that's happening this week. And if there's no chance of it happening this week, then uh, Hound's got to make it at least one more week. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't think that we are going to get a season four style like road to King's Landing with Arya and the Hound, though. That'd be great. But I, I think I, I think that <laughs> we the don't only have that kind of time. Well, the, the way that I think that we would see something like that is if this battle ends with everybody just getting wrecked. You know, and Winterfell is a disaster and people escape however they can escape. Like some people can can get out of there via dragon like John and Daenerys can droober some people out of Mm -hmm. there Uh, or Theon's toast. But he had a Greyjoy ship that wasn't terribly far away. Davos is able to smuggle a bunch of people out of there. They can hit they can hit the road that way or some people leave on foot and that could be Arya and the Hound and you could get some kind of rekindling of the road show that way. Episode four uh, is directed by the same guy who directed the first two episodes of uh, this season already. David Nutter, who also directed Reigns of Casimir, a bunch of other episodes along the way here on Game of Thrones. He seems to be the guy that they call in for this kind of intense character work. I can imagine the scenario where episode four is a little bit of that Battle of Winterfell fallout that is setting the table, which I know is a very triggering phrase, I guess, uh, for people in the Game of Thrones community right now, but could be setting the table for, uh, you know, the the really big endgame battle that could take place in episode five, like at King's Landing or something like that. So that could be the way that we could find mm-hmm. ourselves in an Arya and Hound roadshow. What would be the urgency of the forces that survive a battle at Winterfell to um, get on the move and hit King's Landing right away? I think that is the argument for the Night King going to to King's Landing as opposed to Winterfell, uh, that maybe like they're able to catch wind of that. And they're like, oh, we got to go south. we got to head that way. There's also Jamie Lannister showing up and saying, yes, Cersei's not coming and she's an she's amassing a force to come and get us. Uh, so we probably want to think about doing something about that. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel like a lot of attention could be set on King's Landing due to the fact that they know that the Cersei problem is real. Um, and just kind of like thinking that through a little bit more, like it makes me more inclined to think that maybe a, at least a, a great portion of the White Walker threat could be dealt with here in this coming episode. Because once that's done, Jamie Lannister, who promised to fight for the living, like maybe that promise is fulfilled. And now his loyalties are tested once again with, well, what do I do now? Am I like with these people who I just like spent the night drinking with and being best friends with? And clearly I'm in love with Brienne of Tarth. And do I like stick with them or do I go back to Cersei? So I feel like there's there's a lot of drama in the White Walkers being mostly handled here with maybe a little bit of residual impact still to be felt uh, while a lot of attention is being set on Cersei and dealing with the King's Landing threat in the in the back half of the season. Do you think that we have a Cersei Lannister appearance in this episode coming up on Sunday? Uh, Only if there is uh, the like this Night King theory, if that comes true, if there's something about that and like the attention turns to King's Landing. Otherwise, I think structurally uh, and this is something that we had gotten a lot of questions about. This is one from Jack from Maryland who said, do you think that the next episode is going to be all battle at Winterfell or do you think we have some King's Landing storylines at the beginning? Um, And I I don't think so. I think that it will be all battle of Winterfell, except maybe a, a sliver at the end. Like, I think that there could be a bit at the end. Zach Yesbrooks uh, had written in and had had a theory about how that could play out. He had written, since we got no King's Landing and won't get any next week almost for sure, maybe we're going to get a time jump after the Battle of Winterfell. That way we'll get a lot of changes in King's Landing and a more pregnant Cersei. Um, I think that could be compelling. I think that some kind of final season time jump could be compelling. I, I've been kind of feeling like something like that might happen for the final episode of the show, but that could get us from from Winterfell to King's Landing uh, in time for episodes four and five, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I do think that that is an interesting possibility. Yeah, I think worth uh, worth considering at the very least. Okay. All right. Before we go any further with our feedback, uh, let me take a moment and thank our sponsor for our Game of Thrones uh, feedback show. And those are our friends over at Blue 
diamond almonds. And if you're watching uh, Game of Thrones, I'm sure you're tired of boring snacks. So let me tell you, winter is here. So is the perfect snack. That's blue diamond almonds. Whether you're going to work, bored at work, leaving work, these almonds are the perfect snack wherever you go. Honey roasted flavored almonds, sriracha flavored almonds, wasabi and soy sauce flavored almonds. Do I have your attention? Why keep snacking on boring chips when you could go to the store and pick up some blue diamond almonds right now? If only Davos uh, could have been handing out some blue diamond almonds, uh, sriracha, honey roasted, wasabi and soy sauce, he would have no problem leading anybody to go anywhere he wanted. I think that's true. I think that everyone would know exactly where to go because the diamonds would point them in the right direction. Absolutely. Whatever the moment, Blue Diamond Almonds is the perfect snack. Don't deny your cravings. Go pick up some great flavors right now and eat them. Blue Diamond Almonds. Crave victoriously. Okay. Josh, where are we going next? Well, how about we follow... uh how about we follow Gilly and and Tila, not Tequila, to the <laughs> to the crypts, to the crypts of Winterfell for lots a shot of, of love. Lots of lots of questions about uh, about the the frequent repetition of this this fact that it is safest in the crypts of Winterfell. The yes. scary basement is the safest place. <laughs> For everybody on Game of Thrones, let's take this voicemail from Rainbow to to guide us in. Hi, it's Rainbow, Rob's neighbor here. I just have a couple questions that some friends of mine, not even my theory, brought to my attention. But they are in the crypt. So does that mean that are they all burned down there or Mm. could they be revived and um, then have to actually the little girl that said she would have to defend the crypt will have to do that? That was a very touching part, by the way. And then the other thing is, yeah, they're going... um, uh, Yara is going to the island, but I guess the Night King could fly a dragon over the water and then burn them all. Did we think about that? Um, just a couple questions for you. I love the podcast so much. Bye. All right. Well, for, first of all, let's let's just let's cross our fingers that the Night King just raises the Iron Islands. Maybe <laughs> maybe Theon like does some damage to some White Walkers, and the Night King decides that Theon is his new nemesis, mm-hmm. and so he flies straight to the <laughs> Iron Islands, and the Iron Islands, destroys the Iron Islands. Yeah, let's talk about the crypts because I, I think the theory is pretty pretty well and fully out there right now, and this feels like another thing that is a slam dunk to to look forward to on episode three, which is they're going to the crypts. They, they say it like no fewer than 20 times in the episode that the crypts are the safest place. It's away from the fighting. This is where you'll be. Anyone who is not a fighter is going to the crypts and not for nothing, but we had uh, our Stan Diego uh, wrote in and said, how big are the crypts of Winterfell? Because assuming there are even a few thousand people coming in from the largest kingdom in the realm, there would have to be thousands of women and children down there. And yet when we see John and Danny right there before the battle, no one is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fair question. Just how large are the crypts slash uh, are they just going to flood the zone as soon as the battle begins? Um, but the, the Lords of Winterfell, Previous Stark lords, Stark ancestors, there's tons of bones mm-hmm. in the crypts of Winterfell. And now, like in retrospect, to me, it makes a lot more sense why in season four's finale we saw skeletons emerge from the ground. It was like yes. to establish the fact that that's a thing that can happen on Game of Thrones. And that is a thing that's going to happen in episode three of the final season. Right. We're going to see like Headless Ned. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be trying to kill some of these people, and it's going to be massively messed up. Okay. Who do we lay the blame for this idea on? Is it Tyrion? Is it Bran? Is it Jon Snow? Shouldn't somebody have thought this through? Everybody. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Jon Snow, having seen what he has seen, I would tend to blame it on him, except for the fact that like Jon Snow is a little bit of a dummy. And, yeah. you know, his plans have always had holes in them. So at least it's consistent with character. Maybe Sam. Sam is the one who's sending Gillian baby Sam down into the crypt. So yeah. you would think that maybe Sam would uh, would maybe have thought that through a little yeah. bit harder. But I think that Bran has to uh, take a lot of the blame here. Unless Bran's whole thing is like this thing is going to play out the way it's going to play out. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like if if he if he can see bits of the future and he just knows how this is all supposed to go, uh, then maybe in his mind people are just supposed to get killed off in the crypts. I mean, so, Ed and Tormund were at hard home, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of these people should probably be uh, able to to see this one a little bit easier than they than they seem to be seem to be seeing it my question is like how does it play out and how does it resolve uh you know Tyrion has been banished to the crypts so that's cool we'll get you know some great peter dinklage down there we've seen in previews that varus will be in the crypts as well i think that that means the varus prophecy i think that's going to play out there i don't think varus is making it out if you're alive could varus get killed by ned stark where that in ned stark's final hours he's visited by uh varus in the King's Landing dungeons. Well, yeah. could they could they be reunited in the Winterfell crypts? I like that shot. I like that you've called it. I think that that's good. Uh, I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and I and I think for Tyrion, who never met, uh, who never like really met Ned Stark, had shared the same room as him. You know, when you know everyone was feasting at Winterfell in the very beginning. But otherwise, these two main characters were ships in the night uh, for for the, you know, the the dead hand of the king to meet the current hand of the queen in this capacity, I think would be fun. Um, and I, I wonder, like, what the cameos would would look like. We would had a question from Damien who said, hey, bro, chachos, here's what I want to know. Which characters from the show's past do you think are most likely to show up as battlefield zombies at the gates of Winterfell? I think that question applies here that I think Ned Stark. I think some undead Ned Stark is going to be here. I I doubt that we'll see this thing as played by Sean Bean. Uh, but I think that we can we can expect to see it. Like, I think you could imagine, you know, the old decrepit, uh, you know, hand of the hand of the king. Well, the pin is probably is probably gone. But like the uniform, the Stark uniform on him and everything. Maybe I think too, too tacky for him to have like his head in his hands. Uh, but I do Probably. think they, re- they returned all the bones. So who knows? Maybe he'll put his head back on. <laughs> like it could be really, really screwed up. Mm-hmm. And I think Liana Stark is also very likely to show up in this way as well. Uh, so that's pretty wild and crazy. And it, it makes me feel like Jon Snow will have to confront both of them. You know, he's he's having to contend with the reality of his true parentage now that he is uh, the son of Lyanna and Rhaegar and Ned had lied to him his whole life. And he was kind of wrestling with that in the crypts already. But I think like that existential crisis will probably become pretty literal fairly soon where he's going to have to he's going to have to take them on. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's going to be super gnarly, really messed up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the way that they, uh, you know, deal with that, where uh, I think that they'll have to be uh, called out where like, oh, my God, that's Ned Stark. I think like if you see like Ned Stark's tomb Mm -hmm. and you see like a thing emerge from it and it looks distinct enough, then you'll be able to track it. Mm-hmm. I think I think they could do it as simply as that. And like they can they can like set that up even just like to make it even more clear if Tyrion and Varys who are in the crypts have a conversation next to Ned Stark before everything goes haywire. Um I think mm-hmm. there's way, I think there's ways to do it for sure. Uh, and I think some version of this is almost a a, a 100% lock for me heading into uh heading into this episode mm-hmm. we'll see uh how about one more voicemail sure. uh to to start looking at like ways in which maybe uh this battle will will start to wrap let's take this from svi from israel shalom josh and rob it's Svi from israel with all the death drafts and battle predictions headed into next week's episode i was hoping you could discuss the one inevitability that shows up in every game of thrones battle the deus ex machina oh who do you think will most likely end up on their backs, disarmed with a White Walker bearing down on them before being saved by an out-of-nowhere character appearance. And who do you think will be dacing at Ex Machina? Uncle Benjen? <laughs> Bronn? Dario Naharis? Thanks. And uh, happy Passover, Josh, and oh. belated happy Easter, Rob. Thank you. Thank you, Svi. appreciate Thank you, it. Yes. It was a great time. We had a wonderful Seder with my neighbors, mm-hmm. and uh, then that was the night that I went on to play Wingspan, the board game. Yes, um, I hear that's, right. that's, that's great, Wingspan. 
Who's going to be deusing? How did he say it? Who's going to deus the machina? Yes. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works, uh, but I like it. Uh, have you have you given any thought to this? Is there going to be like something that comes in and saves the day here? Uh, could it be Bran taking uh, control of uh, Viserion? Uh, that I like certainly something that I have enjoyed. What could it be? Idea. I mean, what what are the chances other than like the Golden Company coming in and suddenly saving the day after Cersei was just messing with Jamie? Like what what are we not accounting for that could show up? I liked uh, DJ Lavelle Klein had suggested that Bran could hijack the Weirwood tree and turn it into like the Whomping Willow from Harry Potter. Oh. Just like a very angry physical tree yeah. likes to fight. Do we know uh, if Uncle Benjamin made it? I think I think we can safely assume Uncle Benjamin is dead. Mm. Got, got got the feeling that he probably didn't make didn't it. Didn't make it through. Though he could be one of the zombies that shows up at the gates of Winterfell. We didn't really deal with that too much. Hodor, right? Like Hodor, zombie Hodor is a thing that's coming up. You think that we're gonna see zombie Hodor? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Wow. I think I think we could see it. Um, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen this week. If it doesn't happen this week, I don't think it'll happen. Ever. Does he pick up Bran? For, oh, uh, from, terrible! <laughs> and, and deliver him to the Night King. Oh man, that's horrible. Oh god! And then Bran hijacks zombie Hodor's body, and that hasn't becomes, he been through enough? That becomes Bran's new physical form for the rest of the series. Wow. How about that? That'd be like great. That. Uh, I've been uh, coining, I coined the phrase Deus Ex Melisandre uh, in an article recently, where maybe Melisandre and a bunch of red priests and priestesses will show up for the Great War. She's had visions of the battles at Winterfell, right? And the, she's seen it in the fires, and she has seen her own death in Westeros. What better time is there going to be for Melisandre to show up here in the final season than right now? Yeah. Um, I think like her and like a bunch of fire magic, uh, you know, really, you know, we know that there's some plan to quote unquote light the trench that, that Davos is going to give a sign to light the trench. And maybe that fire in the trenches of Winterfell will at first be working against the people in Winterfell. Maybe it can backfire in some way and then the red priests can show up and they can wield that fire in a better way. Uh, so I think something like that is not impossible to imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't like uh, Melisandre and an army of the red priestesses. Uh, that, that one's tougher for me. I don't know where Melisandre shows up in this uh, final season, but that would seem like kind of a, a lame, lame pay payoff to uh, the, you know, fighting the Night King. But like if a bunch of red priests and priestesses show up and just like, you know, give birth in unison to a gigantic shadow monster. That'll be oh one of the most, God. the single most messed up things that's ever been committed to television. Mm -hmm. Like a uh, <laughs> hundred red priests and priestesses immediately like conceiving shadow monsters on the field, I think would go down in the books as uh, number one in the most traumatic things we have seen in game of Thrones at the very least, if not all of television. That would be very traumatic for, for all of us. For a lot of reasons. Uh, Spencer Y, the prolific Spencer Y, uh, wrote in with the possibility that maybe it's Braun. He says, after getting his assassination assignment from Cersei via Kyburn last week, it seemed logical that Braun would arrive in Winterfell in episode two, but he didn't make it. Episode three looks like an all out battle. So now the timing isn't going to be great for him to show up. Although, is this set up for Braun to play the heroic Knights of the Vale role and be the last minute arrival that tips the scale for our protagonists? Is he going to show? up with the crossbow and shoot down some white walkers or perhaps even the night king well none of his weapons are valyrian steel or dragon glass so i don't know how effective that crossbow is going to be maybe you could borrow borrow some arrows from theon Braun is not taking down the night king that'd be fun though <laughs> i guess so just not there's better get him a better castle and a better wife yeah for sure uh how about uh you you mentioned ghost before that you had thought that ghost was dead he is not he is one of two dire wolves still alive I mean, why didn't the mutineers kill ghost 
I don't know. Ghost has been around for a while. Ghost is a tough cookie. Yeah, he's he's, he's, great. he's been Purple Ghost really since uh, he's been Purple John Ghost for a yeah. while. Yeah, yes. the show the show has really done the direwolves dirty on a number of levels. Not the least of which is the fact that there's only two left. Lauren Romano wrote in and said, "We saw a second of Ghost in the episode. Do you think he'll make it? And will we see Nymeria? Uh, due to the visibility spike, I said Ghost will die." next mm-hmm. week and then they don't have to deal with direwolves anymore hope i'm wrong love me some ghost don't think we'll see nymeria do not yeah. i don't think so boy and suddenly like a big wolf pack shows up to to help the fight and it's really just like all corners of westeros are showing up with this thing mm-hmm. yeah where are they gonna uh put ghosts down in the crypts also nah He's, yeah maybe in not the good. kennels not good yeah i don't know um uh, Boy. I don't know. Yeah. Last question for you. You ready? Yes. It's from Ely May. What happens if you mix giant's milk with milk of the poppy? Oh. Like if hmm. this is the milk that makes you super strong, and if milk of the poppy is the milk that makes you super sleepy. <laughs> Yeah. What happens when I, you I think mix you the sleep and, and you wake up and you've grown a foot. <laughs> it's like big. Mm. Like you go to bed a child and you wake up a man. Bigger. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, exactly the same as big. Does giant's milk mixed with milk of the poppy turn you into Tom Hanks? Hmm. I don't think so. It'd be good though. That would be good. That'd be good. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, did you see Little? I didn't see Little. Yeah, I, I wanted to podcast about that, but I didn't get a chance to. What was Little? Is it the sequel to Big? Yeah, it's not the sequel to Big, but I feel like that uh, it is uh, thematically the sequel to Big. But uh, it's about a woman who becomes little. I've seen uh, Thirty going on thirteen. Yes, similar concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, I really was very surprised at how much torment we got in, in this episode, even the previous one is incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was amazing. I, I wonder uh, if maybe this could be sort of like the backdoor pilot for the, uh, torment giants Bane spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that. I'd be thrilled with that. Uh, did you think that we got the backstory on Tormund and how he became Giant's Bane by killing a giant and then suckling at the teat of the giant's wife? Do you think we were just being reminded of giant's lore for the final reveal at the end of Game of Thrones that we are indeed in the eye of Macumber the Giant? Uh, yes, I think so. Uh, that would be that would be a great reveal to pull back in the final episode. It was right in front of us the whole time. Top theory on the board at yes. this hour. Yes. Okay. Who, who propagated that? Old Nan? I believe that was Old Nan. Yes. 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 Uh, oh, maybe, maybe Old Nan will show oh. up. A bunch of dead people in Winterfell who could show up, right? Yeah. Okay. Maybe Roderick Cassell. Oh, yes. Um, like so so old, many. Sir okay. Mutton Chops. They're all coming back. Yeah. Star-studded episode number three. All right. Josh what do you have in store for uh, your faithful readers between now and then? More stuff. Uh, I will have some interviews that are posting at THR.com slash Game of Thrones in the near future, perhaps with, uh, you know, fingers crossed that it works out, but perhaps with a certain uh, milk chugging friend that Ooh. we uh, may or may not have just referenced a little while ago. Uh, perhaps with uh, even the writer of this episode is a possibility. Uh, so keep an eye on that link. I will be uh, I'll just be I'll be plugging away for the foreseeable future. All right. So we will be back with you on a Sunday night and we're going to get it right over on postshowrecaps.com. Stephen Fishback and I, assuming that Stephen has recovered from his uh, surgery this week, hopefully a speedy recovery for Stephen Fishback. We'll be live uh, 15 minutes after the episode ends. Uh, That's probably looking around sometime around like 1035 or so on Sunday night to break it all down. Of course, uh, follow Josh Wiggler on Twitter at Round Howard for everything that he is filing away over at THR. And we've uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well. Post your recaps dot com slash iTunes. 
Do it. Okay. Do it now. Come on. Josh, anything else? No, just uh, pray for your faves. Pray they, for your favorites. Pray and, for your favorites. Uh, <laughs> next, happy, happy episode of Game of Thrones because we're probably in for a rough one on Sunday. Okay. Or a good one. Or a good one. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. All right. Fingers crossed. Thanks so much for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.